conversation that came up, uh, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, when we were talking about masking and what's going to happen. And, you know, now the city of Calgary has said, we're going to do whatever the province does, right? We're not going to, we're not going to try and come up with our own policy around this. When the province mandate comes off, our mandate comes off. City of Edmonton saying, yeah, no, I don't think so. We're not comfortable with that. We're going to consider our own options. So it's going to be a mess. Regardless, here's where we are. As of now, as of earlier this week, kids under the age of 12 don't have to wear masks in Alberta anymore. Okay, they haven't all week. Rest of us still do. Probably will have to until March 1st. That's the target date. That's the earliest. If the hospital numbers are going in the right direction, all mandates will be lifted. That includes the mask mandate. So why don't kids have to, as of this Monday, and the rest of us still do well, to hear the Premier tell it, it's time to let kids be kids. Okay, it's not the most scientific reasons. It's not really data-driven, but okay, it's a reason. You know, he says that kids have been unfairly impacted by this over the course of the pandemic and have carried too heavy of a burden, and it's time for that to stop. The risk is very, very low for kids, and uh, that's why he's doing what he's doing. Um, Lots of work being done right now to try and determine just what kind of impact, if any, wearing masks may have actually had on our kids over the past two years. There's plenty of people who will tell you and have called this show this week to tell me and tell you uh, how important it is for kids to be able to see the faces of people because they pick up on emotional cues and nonverbal communication and masks are ruining that and um, they're not seeing the smiles or the expressions as causing mental health issues and all the rest. Now, There is no evidence to support any of those claims. Not yet, anyway. Work is being done. Studies are being done. People are looking into it. But right now, there's not a lot of evidence saying that it's had an impact on mental health. Development might be a different situation, though, especially around language. Uh, We're going to talk to uh, an expert in this field. We're going to talk with Janice Greenberg now, who's director of the Hainan Center. Did I say that correctly? The Hainan Center, Janice? Uh, you're close, Hannah. Hannah, okay. <laughs> I had a 50-50 chance. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you know, your funny, time. Those people at West call it Hainan. I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I went that way either. But uh, regardless, I appreciate your time. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, so we're going to talk specifically around, you know, speech, language, and development in those areas and what masks may or may not have done. Now, is is there a lot of evidence that you can look at? I know there's not a lot in terms of, you know, mental health and psychological issues and stuff. Is there more evidence around how it affects kids in terms of speech and other development? Not as far as I know. I mean, it's basically what you said before. A lot of it is anecdotal yeah. and based on assumption. I mean, we do know what is required for to facilitate typical speech and language development. And clearly children benefit from visual cues. Um, They benefit from facial expressions that augment comprehension and so on. But there is no evidence to indicate that if children are deprived of those cues some of the time, that it's going to have any uh, detrimental effect. And I think it's important to remember that even with masking, it's not that children are exposed to people with masks all day. I mean, it may be happening in school, may be happening in stores, but, you know, certainly at home, I don't think families are wearing masks. And that's where a lot of the good language input does happen. Okay, great point. Now, is it is it watching the mouth? Is it watching facial expression? Like, what do we know about when kids are developing language uh, in their younger years? What, what are the things that sort of go into, aside just from hearing the language? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's two separate things. I mean, I think when you talk about watching the mouth, it's children do derive cues there from how we produce some of the sounds in speech, for example. You know, when you think of when you make a P sound or a B sound or an M sound, we can see the lips coming together. Yeah. If we're making an ah, we can see the mouth opening. So children do watch faces. They watch faces to get cues on how to produce speech, but also they watch faces to get cues on, on what the messages, and I think that's where the facial expressions come in. So, you know, children quite early, even infants, can tune into, you know, negative facial expressions versus, you know, pleasing, friendly facial, uh, facial expressions. So, yeah, there, there are cues, certainly, that, that are part of development. But again, we don't know if, if they're deprived of those for some of the time, if they're really going to have a negative effect. Interesting. Okay. Um, the work that you do around this, how has it been affected throughout the pandemic? Because like you say, you know, we have worn masks in a lot of these situations. So have you had to adapt the way you work around these areas? Mm. Well, I personally, I work at an organization called the Hennon Center. We develop training resources yeah. for parents, educators, and professionals. So I'm not working directly with children myself. But when I talk to my colleagues who have, certainly it's had an impact, especially since the speech-language pathologists like myself who work with children are working with children that may have language delays or articulation difficulties, where having children focus on your face, focus on what you're doing with your mouth, become really important. So when they've had to, many times they've gone to remote sessions, but when they have, in some cases, continued with in-person sessions, they've had to be masked, the, the speech pathologist, and they've, you know, some have gotten creative with clear masks. Yeah, <laughs> that I've seen that, yeah. Thing. Yeah, which is a bit odd to see someone with a, an open, you know, a clear part around your mouth, and I, I don't know if there's any evidence to show that they help or don't help. So yeah, it has to be more difficult because they, and don't forget, as a speech pathologist, you're often working with children that already have delays, and for those children, yeah. access to those visual cues may be more important, even for typically developing children who can compensate in other ways. Um, in terms of, like you say, a lot of it is about, okay, well, we assume it's going to have an impact because this is what we know about this, or uh, there's anecdotal. Is there work being done to try and gather, gather some evidence, or is it too early? Will this kind of, if there are issues, will they not present for, you know, two years, five years, ten years? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good question. Again, I'm not involved in research myself, but certainly you know, all you have to do is Google and see there's many, many yeah. people that are looking at this question, and there are people who are studying it. It's just that we don't have any information yet, because as you mentioned, it's probably going to be a relatively longer-term impact that we've been looking at. I also think things are complicated, because I do hear anecdotally, and there have been reports, you know, again, based on assumption and observation, not formal studies, that there seems to be an increased frequency of children demonstrating speech-language delays in those early years um, since the pandemic began. However, I'm not sure at this point how one sorts out potential impact of masking, right. the fact that children have been in lockdown and deprived of many of those experiences, that there's been a lot of stress in the home. Certainly, there's much talk of the mental health impact yep. on children, and that impacts on development as well. So it's really hard to sort out and say that masking particularly has been responsible. That's a great point, Janice, because you know we're talking about masking, but just um, social interaction, all the rest of those things, that would also have an impact on development. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, that's where we feel that what the work we do at the Hannon Center is particularly important because we provide trainings and resources around for parents and educators around children who have delays as well as for children who are typically development. In fact, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we put out a a YouTube video particularly targeting early childhood educators who needed to be masked in preschools yeah. and childcare centers, really showing how it's still important to emphasize positive interactions and how to compensate for some, to some extent for, for the fact that they had to wear masking. 
So I think that there's lots that we can be aware of that can, you know, somehow um, reduce the impact by really enhancing the quality of our interactions with children. And we're moving into that phase, right? I mean, we're we're starting to see how important that is, and 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 emerging into what whatever it's going to be, whatever this next phase is going to be. But we're taking steps, and it seems there's a renewed. Um, attention. We A lot of people have said from day one, you know, the last thing that should happen is closing schools. And the first thing that should happen is reopening schools. So that focus has been there, but it seems like it's been ramped up uh, over the last, mm-hmm. whatever this phase is, Janice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm in Ontario. Yeah. You're in Alberta. You know, we, we, we've had different <laughs> ways of approaching. Although the Hannon Centre works with people around the world. So we actually have a lot of people in, in Alberta who are Hannon followers as well. It's, um, it's so hard to siphon out. I mean, I think we all would agree that children should be in school. Yeah. I mean, that's where they have their, their social interaction as well as their learning and the stresses that have been on families with children being at home. And I think more than ever now why that's so important for, for parents and educators to really understand what quality interactions with children should look like so we can try and mediate you know, some of the stresses and impacts that some of these uh, COVID measures have had. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be a big adjustment for a lot of people. Janice, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. And if anybody's interested in what yeah. we do, we do have a website, www.hannon.org. And, you know, have a look. There's lots of materials and resources there for parents, educators, teachers, speech pathologists. Excellent. Thanks so much, Janice. I appreciate it very much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You too. Bye-bye. That is Janice Greenberg, who is with, as she said, Hannon Center.